Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Today on the show... We've got a really great episode planned for you. I'm joined by Tia Angelos. Tia is the founder of Smart Women's Society. It is International Women's Day this week, so we're talking about all the things. Tia's got a new book called Smart Moves. It's available now. We'll put a link in the show notes. But today, we're talking about some goals, practical steps to move the needle in your life. We're going to talk about money how you can optimize, get those 1%ers happening in your life, how to start to save a bit more money. We'll touch on careers. We'll talk about well-being. How can you press reset in your life to get a little bit of control back, to remove that stress at work, to be really focused on being the best version of you possible? Because remember, you can't be the best version of you if you're not the best version of you. And get this, people. You ready for it? We're going to talk about love and relationships. Tia, thank you so much for joining us on My Millennial Money. Are you ready to have a chat today? Absolutely. Let's do this. So, Tia, you've taken a bit of a pivot in your life. You finished university with a law and commerce degree, uh, but now you're primarily a business owner and CEO of a global online community, Smart Women Society. Why did you start this community? It is kind of becoming a bit of an online movement now for many young women and older women all around the world. Yeah, absolutely. So I studied law and I studied commerce, accounting, finance at uni. I didn't really enjoy either degree and see a career in either degree. And then at the end of university, I was like, what the hell am I going to do? I went into consulting at one of the big fours. People told me that was a dream job. So I pursued that. And I was always just, I never really clicked and it didn't click for me. And During school and during university, I was always that person that would create little cheat sheets, either for my friends or for my tutoring class. And I had this knack of being able to break things down into really simple visuals and tips. And one day I thought, I want to do this on a bigger scale. I want to break down life topics. And when I used to work at EY at my old job, I would sit in the lunchroom at lunch and do people's budgets. And I would be doing 40-year-old people's budgets because they had no idea about their money or I was helping them write a resume to get a new job. And yeah, I thought one night I was like, I'm going to create an Instagram page and share these tips and tricks that I share to people in my life. And it kind of just took off like crazy. And yeah, here we are, full-time business. And you've got over 120,000 followers? 127 on Instagram and 258,000 on TikTok. Wow, that's a serious size. Yeah. Little uh, small business. Yeah. (laughs) Love that. So- What I wanted to do today was break down our chat into a couple of sections and we might not get to them all because there's lots here. We'll try our best. You talk about some um, money topics, careers, well-being, love and relationships, like you cover it all. Who's your primary audience that you are targeting? Because some of the stuff that I see and as you've said, like whether it's some study hacks, some life productivity, could be budget templates, Uh, who's your main audience and particularly, you know, your new book, Smart Moves, who do you want to pick up that book? 
I would say our primary audience is 18 to 34 year old women. So it's people at the end of the university or early mid career and they're ambitious. They want to get more out of life. They want to figure out how to navigate all the different chapters of life and just do well for themselves and really fulfill their potential. Yeah. And what was the goal uh, in taking all the content from the Instagram account into the book? So the goal with the book is to be like a practical handbook. So it's one of those books that it's not going to collect dust on your bookshelf once you read it once. It's going to be that book that you're going to keep picking up because it is broken down into over 130 different topics. So if you need help on how to make a budget, if you need help on how to negotiate your salary, there's a script in there. If you need tips on how to leave work stress at work, there's a topic in there. So it covers all ground and it's a handbook. So it's not a traditional kind of story novel or nonfiction book. And yeah, I wanted it to be that kind of resource that people had in their arsenal. Now this episode, it is going up during the week of International Women's Day. So, you know, it's not an episode that we've recorded four months ago and it's going to get put up in, you know, in the future. Are there any common trends or maybe common topics that you're seeing your online community have questions about? Like what's topical at the moment for your followers? I think a lot of people are really worried about the cost of living crisis and costs going up. And I think coming out of that, which links really nicely to your new book, is a lot of people are looking at how can I increase my income at work, whether that be through a pay rise, a promotion, changing jobs. And I think, yeah, I think a lot of people are navigating, am I happy in my career right now? Do I want to make a change? And I have noticed that this time of year, people are making those choices. They've come back from the holiday period and they're kind of reevaluating where they are and how they're navigating all the increased costs and stuff as well. Yeah. So as you said, like we are into the new year well and truly, the dust is starting to settle. What's a really practical way that people can be really starting to set and achieve a goal? Because it's all easy to have a nice eat, pray, love moment and do your goals and all that. But how would you encourage someone to actually achieve that goals that they've set and to keep dialed in and encouraged? Well, I think firstly is don't set yourself too many goals. I think people like this idea of having 10, 20 goals that they want to achieve. What I recommend is breaking it down into the different sections of your life. So your money, your career, your well-being, and your relationships and setting one to two goals per section. So don't overcomplicate it. What's the big thing that you want to do? And more importantly, and I think the reason why people don't achieve their goals is they don't have a why behind that goal that they really, really, really want to achieve. It's all well and good to say, I want to save $10,000 this year, or I want to find, like, I want a promotion at work. But why do you want that? Is it because you want to go on a holiday? Is it because you want to buy, for example, a new watch that you've been loving for years? And I think really associating that burning desire to a goal is going to make you to stay motivated to achieve it. So if I have a goal and something that I recommend is make it your phone wallpaper. Right. And we pick up our phones, I think it's 300 to 500 times a day on average. I was going to say, don't say day. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're picking up your phone every single time, seeing that goal right in front of you, and it's going to keep you motivated beyond that new year, new me period. Mm. So a lot of goals are linked to money. A lot aren't. But particularly money, like if someone's goal is to, I just want to save more money in the next six months, 12 months or whatever... How do you think people can do that? Well, I think breaking it down into its key components. If you want to save more money, there's two ways to do it. Increase your income, decrease your expenses, 
even better, do both. So I think people try and overcomplicate their goals, especially when it comes to money. But if you figure it out, either ways to increase your income, can you get a promotion at work? Can you job hop and negotiate a bigger salary? Um, Can you start a side hustle or a business that can bring in some extra money? Or on the flip side, can you um, renegotiate any of your bills? Can you cut any unused subscriptions? And funneling all that money into your savings is what's going to boost your savings over the year. Now, we just had a nice uh, lunch downstairs at Burrito Bar Lunch or whatever at Cooperoo. We're at that little complex there for those locals. And we were talking about like, you know, you've got a book, you talk about money. I've got a book that talks about money. Everyone has a money book. Now, there isn't anything new under the sun. But I think what you're touching on with the values thing, and I say this a lot, like the best money system in the world is one that works for you. So how can people start to identify maybe with some self-reflection or if someone's new to this podcast or listening today, how can they start to really learn about their own money habits and behaviors to adapt a system to achieve the goal ultimately? Yeah. And I think first up is understanding your relationship with money or the behaviors around money and what kind of causes them. Are you a natural? I know you're a natural spender. I'm probably a natural saver. (laughs) And I think learning and working with your natural rhythms and learning that just because you are a natural spender, there's no point overhauling your entire life and hating every day because you feel like you can't buy a coffee or something. And I think it's working out what are your priorities? What are your values? Like for me this year, a big value of mine is traveling and saving money for travel. And like, there's no reason to feel ashamed for the things that you want to spend your money on. It's then how can you incorporate them into your budget and also prioritize your long-term goals so you can do both. And I always say that you need to budget for fun. Like life is meant to be enjoyed. And if you take and you suck out all that enjoyment and fun out of life, it's pretty miserable. And I think you have to see money as a tool to live your best life. It's not something to see as a negative thing or an evil thing. Yeah, it's fascinating because, you know, I'm a spender, and that can give me some really good opportunities, but it can really cause havoc. But likewise, the savers, some really good opportunities. I can save, I can invest, but it can cause havoc because you might live in fear that you can't spend money. You don't uh, enjoy the experiences. So life is about balance and having a system that works with and for you. So I've got a crazy question for you money and relationships. What tips do you have for people who are in a relationship and money is something that needs to be talked about? Well, I think if you're in a relationship with someone, the biggest pillar, money or non-money, is communication. You should feel like it is a safe space to openly communicate about everything, but more importantly, about money. And I think the statistic is that most, the biggest cause of divorce is money and the breakdown and the lack of communication between people. And I know for my husband and I, every Sunday night, we sit down, we take a look at our budget, we take a look at our goals and we kind of just chat through them and not in a negative way. It's just laying everything on the table. If we we check our calendar, do we have any social events coming up that we need to save for? Do we have anything that's on our shopping list that we need to chat about that maybe is above a threshold that we, I think you said the 1% rule, which Mm. I loved. Mm. Um, And then anything over that threshold, discuss it with your partner. And I think, yeah, having both couple and individual goals, I think is really important. Like, I don't think you should lose your 
sense of independence when you're in a relationship and you can have individual goals if you really want to pursue something yourself. But I think that communication piece is the most important and a lot of people don't have that. And I think just kind of slowly starting to talk about your relationship with money, how you've grown up around money and understanding maybe your partner had a different relationship with money and how they managed it with their family growing up and learning about, well, what was my relationship with money growing up and how can we now move forward together as a duo? Yeah, no, that's awesome. So with uh, money and relationships, you know, the law says if you're, and this is weird, I've talked with two people about this over the last week. The law says that if you're, in a relationship for like 18 months, we'll use that as an example, yours is theirs and theirs is yours, like non-binding agreement, all that stuff. So the black and white says we own it together, but in practicalities, we still want some autonomy and control. If I can ask you, how do you and your husband manage money? Do you Are you all in one account and then some individual accounts for frivolous daily spending or is it like your income's your income, my income's my income? Like I'm being dramatic here, but like how do you do it? Well, personally, we do a hybrid model and I will preface it by saying that everyone is so different and I find it interesting asking my friends, my family, like how they do it within their relationship and I don't think there is a right or wrong answer. It's what works for the couple. Absolutely. Um, But we have the hybrid model. So we have a joint account where all our bills and our, like our mortgage, our bills and all that stuff comes out of and then we have our own accounts that we can spend on whatever we want. And again, yeah, we have a threshold that if it's anything above that threshold, we chat about it to each other. But if I want to buy a coffee or if I want to buy a new pair of shoes. I don't have to feel the need to have to get everything approved yeah. by him. And I think that's a healthy way for us. I've got friends and I won't mention their names, of course, uh, David and Tara, how are you? Um, they, every time you know, I was with them over the Christmas break and I we were all out, all out for lunch and then a few of us walked back to where we were going and I was with Tara and some other people and David and the other group, we kind of split ways to, you know, like, we're going this way. Anyway, David's like to Tara, don't spend any money because she's like the spender and he's the saver. And we were laughing about it. It's like, she was laughing. She's like, he always says that, but I always spend. I don't care. Like, <laughs> but I think it's just like, it's good because she knows what he's like. And their name's not David and Tara, everyone. But like... I just think it's so they fascinating. Know they, they know who they are. <laughs> and she always laughs. She's like, yeah, I'll spend money. It's all right. But he's like such a saver and she's helped him and he's helped her. And I think you find that that's quite common. Like I know so many couples where someone is the spender and someone is the saver and they kind of have to balance each other to reach a common goal. Um, and I can see on the flip side how that can kind of derail a relationship as well when you aren't on the same page. Mm, yeah, it's, uh, it's a wild time. So the cost of living is getting wild and is wild at the moment and probably won't calm down for the next 10 minutes. What tips do you have for others? And maybe you've talked about some high level money hacks and tips in your book or what you're doing, or what you're seeing other community members doing. Yeah, I think first off is taking stock of your essential expenses. Like what are your minimum basic needs that you need to cover every single month regardless of what else is going on? And then within those essential expenses, what can you kind of renegotiate or cut down on? So especially for bills, I think for a lot of people, when was the last time you checked if you could get a better rate on your electricity or can you negotiate anything better on your mortgage? Probably not, but can you try? Um, And is there anything that you can kind of call up even your mobile phone provider? Is there a better plan? Are you using 
using all the data that you have within your plan. And I think a lot of people let that stuff kind of go and don't think about whether they can negotiate a better rate or a better deal each month. And then on that as well, I think with the cost of living being so high and maybe the less predictability in the job market, building up your emergency fund, I think is really key as well. Mm. And having that kind of buffer just in case. And I think that takes a lot of stress off. I've noticed with increased inflation, increased cost of living, that stress in a lot of people is kind of Mm. mounting a lot more than in like lower inflation time. So having that buffer, I think is really key just for peace of mind as well. Yeah, absolutely. I've been saying it for the last few months and you've probably been talking about it as well. Like when times are good, you don't need to pay as much attention to things. But for many people listening, and particularly a lot of your audience who might be coming out of uni into the workforce for the first time, they're getting a really big shock because the cost of living is so high where when you finished university, it wasn't as savage. So it's a natural thing. The older we get, the more experience we have. But we are in a bit of an economic pinch at the moment, so we actually have to pay attention. And the more attention we give something in our life, whether it is, you know, our career, our money, our relationships, and we'll talk about well-being shortly, the results will follow. I don't know if, where we're going with that, but... All right, we'll take a quick break and we'll be back after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Radio. Smart Moves, it's your newest book, Simple Ways to Take Control of Your Life. It's such a, it's a solid book. It is. Bloody I was hell. surprised yeah. when it came. Yeah. It's, 90,000 um, words. It's, he's done a little PhD. Would you say it's a rose pink with black text? Oh, it's actually navy, the text. It's a little oh, bit yes. of a dark navy with yes. the gloss feature. Yes, um, you are correct. It's a bit of a flamingo pink, Flamingo pink, yeah. yeah. No, it's great. Um, and we'll put a link in the show notes. You know, all this stuff we're talking about, there is nothing new under the sun, but the reason why we have such a variety of different guests on the podcast is because your voice and style of messaging might resonate with someone else more than the Glenn James personality, the more than the John Pigeon personality. So if someone is thinking like, well, I've got my life and career under control at the moment, I'm all good, 
My challenge would be, can you get this book, Smart Moves, into the hands of another person in your life? It's the ultimate gift. And to be honest, I've only just started reading it. And I would say, sure, it's smart. Women's society is your community, but any gender can read this. Absolutely. And it's not written specifically to women, but anyone could really pick it up. And I think it's one of those books that will help you navigate every season of life. So there might be one season where you're really focused on finding that next big career move. There might be a season where you're focused on going on a first date and how to navigate that. And Mm. we cover all of that in the book. So it's kind of pick it up at different points in your life that, yeah, to whatever whatever you're going through at that time or whatever challenge you're going through, there's some quick tips in there. Okay. Do you want to play a game and this is not prepared but I think you can go with it do you want to play book roulette I'm nervous but let's do it so what I'll do <laughs> I'm going to flick to a page okay and we're going to talk about something that comes up done all right just got the book here all right emotional self-care emotional self-care refers to activities and practices that help you connect process and reflect on your emotions It's about getting in touch with all of your feelings, whether they be good or bad, and developing strategies to help you navigate them. Can you talk to us about emotional self-care and why it is so important? Yes. Um, And there are many different types of self-care and that's what this chapter is talking about, all the different types of self-care, physical self-care, psychological self-care. And I think with emotional, what it really touches on is that self-talk that we have in our head. And I know we're kind of chatting about it before and it's about what holds people back from achieving their goals or from achieving the big things that they want in their life. And it is their emotions and it is the negative self-talk that goes on in your head. And a big activity that you can do for emotional self-care is practicing gratitude. Mm. And I think it's the simplest thing. And a lot of people I tell, I'm like, practice gratitude every morning. And they go, oh, that's bullshit. Can I swear? Do what you want. (laughs) Your reputation. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, a lot of the feedback that people are like, oh, I've tried. It didn't work for me. But it's those simple practices. I wake up every morning and I think of three things that I'm grateful for. Usually I do a person, a thing and an experience. And it's just that simple thing that reroutes my brain every morning to focus on the good in life. And I think it's really easy to get caught up in stress of work or stress of life. And you don't realize how grateful and how thankful you are for all the good in your life until you kind of act repeat it to yourself every morning and practice that emotional self-care. So what you're talking about there is not only doing the gratitude thing, but you're actually building a habit and a daily habit. And it could be, you know, you might miss one or two days to start with, but I think it goes back to when you were saying about goals, not doing too much, not overhauling the whole bathroom renovation in one go. Let's do a a little bit at a time. And I'm a big proponent that for anything in life, any goal, anything you want to achieve, the biggest thing that you can do to be successful is be consistent. Mm. No matter what it is, it's about building those habits, building those routines, building those systems in your workplace, in your personal life, in your personal development and being consistent with that. You're going you're going to see results over time because you are staying consistent. And that's why you see a lot of people get really excited at the beginning of the year wanting to achieve all these big goals and then by February they've kind of given up because they haven't built those habits and those routines around it. I thought it was interesting and just you know, in my own life, you know, and there's a lot of people that have this, maybe the rugged personality and, you know, I'm not that much of an emotional person, but I caught myself a couple of times in terms of this emotional thing. I was upset at a situation and I actually learned to, I'll, I'll use a weird word. A psychologist said, 
to me once that my type of personality with some type of loss, I'll give you an example. A while ago when my sister and the kids announced they were moving to Queensland, I was quite sad and the psychologist to me at the time said, you're experienced a, a type of grief and I had to sit with it and not just push it away. And I think that's really important, like actually sitting with every emotion, good, bad, and just letting yourself feel it mm. and really letting yourself process it. And I think it's really easy for a lot of people to bottle up an emotion or kind of just push it to the side. And I think the way that you can heal and move forward from it is feeling that feeling. And as well as that, focusing on the things that you can control. I know like whenever I face a challenge, whether it be my work or personal life, I usually get out a sheet of paper. I split it into two. And on one side, I write, what are all the things I can control about this situation? And what are all the things I can't control? Because a lot of the time I find personally and a lot of other people, we focus on all the things that are completely out of our control. Mm. And if you kind of put it out on a sheet of paper physically and even just fold it in half and only look at that what can I control list and it's really powerful doing that. I think it, you kind of touched on it as well like going back to the money chat about the cost of living, we can't control global fuel prices, gas prices, energy government prices, policies. government, well to a, a to point, a degree, it's a yes. long game. <laughs> um, but even like, but we can control our own budget and our own spending we can call the bank and try and get a review. So it is a really good thing. Hey, with, you know, this well-being thing, you may have touched on it and you might want to elaborate, but what's a simple, quick, you know, hack that someone can implement tomorrow? Well, as I said before, it's that gratitude piece. I definitely recommend, and it can either be in a notepad, it can be just in your head in the morning on the notes app on your phone, but listing when you wake up, the first thing you do when you wake up, what are three things that I'm grateful for? And as, as I said before, I like to do one person, one thing, one experience. And it could be the same for a week on end. It could be different every day, but I find that it boosts my mood and it just kind of reduces the stress of the day, knowing that I do have good things happening and I do have good people around me. And yeah, it's the tiniest little thing, but don't, it's so underrated. This is like borderline psychopathic murderer vibes, but I was at a seminar once and some guy's like, I take a cold shower every morning. My husband does that. He <laughs> <laughs> Am yeah. I married to a psychopath? I mean, that's <laughs> going to kill me when he listens serious, to this. <laughs> that's some serious a stuff. A full cold shower. Oh. But it, it wakens it, him. I mean... <laughs> You you want to feel alive? That's how you I'm do it. I'm the opposite. I like a burning hot shower. My oh. skin is like radiating steam. No, I can't do that. I can't do it. Hey, you said you wanted to travel uh, this year and save for travel. Travel is so good for our well-being because it can take our eyes off our situation. We might use it as a reset. Um, we might just use it to enjoy life, to visit friends, to visit family. Do you have any like top travel tips for this year or generic ones that you've talked about in the book? Ooh, from a financial perspective Any, or a general perspective? Whatever. I guess from a financial perspective, make it a part of your budget. Start working towards it slowly. Don't go into debt to travel. Only travel within your means. Sign up to airline newsletters. There's always deals going on and use cash rewards. Use a cashback platform. Last year, I got $400 back when I went on my honeymoon from using cash rewards on booking.com. And it's amazing how much you can make from pretty much doing nothing. Wow. Um, and then from another perspective, get air tags. 
They are a game changer. I lost my luggage last year. It went to the other side of the world, not to Australia. And I could track it on my phone because I had an air tag in my suitcase. So for that peace of mind, that $40 is worth it. So highly, highly recommend an air tag. And I guess once you're there, ask and talk to locals. Whenever I'm in a taxi, whenever I'm in an Uber overseas, I always like saying to them, where's your favorite restaurant? And I find that those recommendations are so much better than random TripAdvisor or random TikToks or websites that are just giving you the same generic recommendations. Yeah, because it's like, uh, I don't know too much about Briz Vegas, but like Sydney, you know. Toddies? Well, no, like the whole... Is <laughs> that's a place in, to be, isn't it? In, in Sydney? I've never heard of it. Oh, that's the influencer place to be. Really? Yeah, Italian. Um, well, I was going to say like Darling Harbour, Tourist Central. Yeah. A lot of locals aren't going to Darling Harbour for dinner. They're going to like Surrey Hills, Newtown, Woolloomooloo. So. And you would never find those places if you didn't talk to a local. Yeah. And then yeah. you find some amazing places. I was in Greece visiting family last year and they were taking us to these amazing tavernas that were down the dodgiest laneways. And you wouldn't know unless you either knew someone or you asked a local and the food was amazing and mm. way better than those generic chains or Starbucks or something yeah. on the main road. Yeah, I was at a hotel in Sydney oh, a couple of years ago and I was just sitting in the lobby waiting and this Canadian walked up to the counter. He's like, is there a Tim Hortons around here? It's like, no, go away. Um, travel to try something new. <laughs> yeah. Hey, um, on the well-being thing, you know, People can be doing it tough at work, right? And taking a break, it's such a recommended thing. Like if you can't remember the last time that you had a legitimate break, it's probably time to plan it. And what I like to say all the time is burnout and not taking a break, it's not a badge of honour. There's no good thing that comes from saying, I haven't taken a holiday or I haven't taken annual leave in three years. Mm. I think it's so healthy to have those breaks mm. in work and you shouldn't be working yourself to the point of burnout before you're like, oh, I should take a break. Yeah. So with stress at work, what are your type of uh, comments on that to help people? Well, the biggest thing I always say, and I know it's easier said than done, delete the email app off your phone or at least silence it outside of work hours. And we were kind of touching on this when we had lunch before that someone's urgency is not your emergency. Mm. And I always say that just because someone sends you a high priority email or an email at 10 o'clock at night, you should not feel the need to have to respond to that. There are very rare circumstances that are that urgent. Yeah. And I, I've told my team and I would encourage anyone here that's in a team or you're a leader, like if I'm sending you an email at 11 o'clock on a Saturday night, it's because I've thought of something and I want to just action it. There's no way on the planet that I would expect any of my team to actually, one, have an email on their phone. It's optional as long as it's on their desktop and two, reply to that. So it is probably that communication as well and expectations. Yeah, and I think setting those boundaries and setting those expectations with your team and if possible, as early on in the job as possible is really healthy because if you start creating this precedent that yes, I'll respond to an email at any time of the night and then you create this kind of situation where that's expected of you, I think it's really important to set those hard boundaries. And as well, it's interesting to know if it was an expectation from your team for you to reply at the drop of a hat, quote unquote, after hours. That's a bigger conversation and a bigger decision that you need to make. Yeah, and I think that's a huge red flag of a toxic workplace if you're expected to kind of respond at any hour of the day and drop any kind of work-life balance or personal commitments for an urgent email. Mm. So red flags, let's talk about love. Let's talk about friends. Let's talk about 
three red flags to look out for when dating? Ooh, three red flags. I would say the first one is when someone doesn't listen to you and it's a very one-sided conversation. I thought cold showers was number one. (laughs) Right. Two, they're emotionally unavailable. And three, they don't put any effort in and it feels one-sided and you feel like that you're never a priority, you're always a convenience or a last resort kind of person that they want to see. Mm. So to get the green flags, are we just inverting that? Definitely. And I think the biggest green flag in any dating situation, relationship situation is that communication piece. Do you feel comfortable and open that you can have clear communication with that person? Mm. And as well as that, it is the flip side of no effort, but do they make you a priority? Do they actively want to see you and make time for you? Especially because everyone has a busy life now. Everyone, the first thing you say when you ask a friend or a family member, how are you? It's usually busy. So if someone's making you a priority in their life, that's a pretty big green flag that they want you to be there. Um, And then the usual things, the trust, honesty and loyalty are also huge green flags and that you should be seeking in a partner. Question, you know, you're more experienced with love and life than I am, but if you've got a partner, I reckon one of the biggest red flags that I've seen is that partner wanting to pull you away from your friends. Absolutely. And I am a big proponent. And I said this from the very first day I met my husband is I want you to continue having your own independent life. I am very happy for you to hang out with your friends, do things with your friends, and I don't need to be there. And I do notice a trend as well that sometimes people start dating someone and they can only ever go somewhere with their partner. And I think it's really important to maintain that independence, keep up your own hobbies, keep up your own friends. And I think it's actually healthier because then you can come back together with your partner. You have something to talk about. You have new things to share. And yeah, I think it's really important to maintain that independence. And following that, introduce your partner to your friends hopefully you've got some really good life-giving friends actually ask them what do they think absolutely because sometimes like love's blind right (laughs) apparently um i just think it's so important to have good people in your life for different things so if someone is looking to reboot their love life this year what are they doing Well, I think firstly, get out of your comfort zone. I think for a lot of people that we get into these routines where we're just so comfortable with our work and our friends and we don't push ourselves outside of those boundaries to try new things. And I think a great thing I'm challenging any single person listening to this podcast is say yes. Say yes to new opportunities. Watch Yes Man. Yes. Say yes to different things. If someone invites you to something, say yes to it. You never know who you're going to meet. And I think on top of that is take the pressure off yourself. Every time you go on a date, every time you're invited to a group thing, don't hype it up in your head that you're meeting the person that you're going to marry. At the end of the day, like say to yourself, I'm meeting someone that could be cool as a friend. I'm learning more about myself. I'm learning more about what I do and don't like. And I think taking that pressure off yourself makes dating a lot less scary and intimidating. And I think that's why a lot of people shy away from dating is because they think that it either needs to be their soulmate or it's nothing. Mm. And what's the benefit of dating someone who isn't your quote unquote usual type? Well, I think one, it gets you out of your comfort zone. And I think for a lot of people, they have this type in their head, but then they might meet someone else and they realize it wasn't their type all along. And I think being open-minded to meeting new people and learning more about yourself and what you do and don't like is the benefit. And don't just brush people off based on maybe a physical factor or a certain other factor, because when you get to know them, you might actually really like them. So Mm. give people the benefit of a doubt. I always used to give people a three-date rule. 
Yeah. And also really keep those red flags and your own core non-negotiables present. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, what if you've realized that, you know, in terms of friendships, um, whether it's a love ship or a friendship, I watched Titanic the other day. (laughs) Great movie. (laughs) It was really good. So pissed off that it sunk. Um, If you've realized that you've got a friend and you're like, oh my gosh, this friend is super toxic. How do you break up with a friend? I think firstly, you have to ask yourself, can I salvage this? Mm. Is there is there a way that we can kind of work through this? And can you try and talk to them and set boundaries? Because a lot of the time people don't intentionally know that what they're doing is toxic. And sometimes sitting down with your friend, especially if you've known them for a very long time and saying, hey, when you do X, I feel Y, please stop doing that. Mm. And a lot of the time just actually vocalizing that and communicating with them, they'll realize that they didn't intend to do that. There was no intention with that and you can patch things up. But I think if you can't get to that resolution or it's gone way past that, it doesn't have to be a dramatic breakup or a big movie scene that you're announcing that you're no longer friends. It could just be simply reaching out less, Mm. kind of making more time for people that make you feel good about yourself and kind of just slowly fizzling out that friendship. I would also assess like we've all had them, maybe you're one of them, Are you always just calling your quote-unquote friend when you've got an emotional hole that needs to be filled at a time? If your partner's away for three weeks, if you're, and I think this all goes well with like, don't be a taker, be a giver. Don't just, you know, I, there are categorical people and we're all guilty of it, but you just got to really watch it. Like, are you only using someone when you need something? Absolutely. And I think one-sided friendship is huge and people Mm. that, there's always a lot of people have a friend that only texts them when they've got a problem. Yeah, and I think what, you know, because I'm basically a dinosaur now, I've resolved that in some instances and seasons in your life, they're actually friends only by association and convenience. And if we didn't happen to spend a lot of time together in that class or whatever, and if we did meet somewhere else, there probably wouldn't be this natural, oh, we should catch up and have a, a coffee or something. So I think... Is your friendship uh, by convenience or by association? Yeah, absolutely. And something I talk about in the book and about a quote, a quote that I love is that every person in your life is there for a season, a reason or a lifetime. So it's being able to categorize them as which one it is. And also not being upset when someone is only there for a period of your life. Maybe you went to uni together and then after uni, you moved states or something and you, it kind of fizzled out. And it is natural that not everyone in your life is going to be your friend forever and mm. accepting that and being okay with that. And But then on the flip side, actually cultivating those friendships and relationships that mean a lot to you. So yeah. definitely yeah. both. Okay, I'm going to play another round of book roulette. All right, I've opened it up. Okay, interesting. Imposter syndrome. That's a good one. Ooh, talk to us about imposter syndrome. I think with imposter syndrome, one, it's one of our most popular topics whenever we talk about it. And I'm sure you get similar feedback that Mm -hmm. no matter who you are, no matter what stage of your career, if you Google it, every single big celebrity or big public figure experiences imposter syndrome. No one's immune to it. And I think it's such a big topic and I struggle with it all the time. You have an amazing opportunity come your way and you start filling your head with self-doubt of, am I good enough? Could I ever, like, could I do this? Why me? And something that I always say and I always come back to is, if I wasn't ready, I wouldn't have this opportunity. 
And I always repeat that to myself. If I wasn't ready, I wouldn't have this opportunity. And something, I think Richard Branson said it and he goes, say yes and figure it out after. Yeah. And I think that is, I always stand by that. I say yes and I figure it out and somehow it works well in the end. And I think that if you're not pushing yourself out of your comfort zone and like moving those goalposts of things you're comfortable with, you actually can't grow. I reckon as well, like if you don't suffer imposter syndrome, you're probably a certified narcissist. <laughs> like, Pretty I don't know. Much. Like, it's just, it's real. Like every time I press stop on this recorder here with the podcast, I'm always like, oh my gosh, that was terrible. Like every time I've got no confidence, I'm like, who would want to listen to me again? But you're also your own harshest critic. Yeah. And, and that's... Yeah, you, know, you live with the good and the bad, and it's it's tough, right? And I think it's about rewiring that self talk, as we were talking about before, mm. and saying, "I am worthy of this. I am worthy of having good things. I've worked hard for this. My voice is unique. My perspective is unique." And when you repeat it over and over again, your subconscious starts to absorb that. And yeah, I definitely think that. And what someone told me on my very first day when I started EY, the first thing a senior partner said to us was get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Mm. And to me, that was so powerful because if you're living a life of comfort, if you're always playing that same level in the video game, you can never actually do better or be better because you're just playing in this comfort space. Mm. Hey, in finishing, is there anything else that you want to talk about? Or, you know, you've probably got a lot of your followers that listen to this podcast. You can say hi to them. You can, Hi everyone, oh, send yeah. us a DM or send, post your story if you listen to this episode. Yeah, like, I don't know, like, do you want to just, I'll open the, the platform for any type of topic or comment that you want to add? Yeah, I think something I want to end on is anyone listening to this, take this as your sign to take action. Mm. Whatever it is, whatever is bothering you right now, whatever your goal is for the next six month, one year, don't let a year from you wish that you had started today. So take the action, take that first tiny step, whatever it is. If you want to start a business, buy a domain. If you want to negotiate your salary, start pulling together stuff that you've done at work. And I think just take that first step. And I think that's really important. I mean, we didn't even get onto it today, but your book also has a heap of work-related content. And I think it'll work really well with your book as well. I think grab them as a bundle. Yeah, do it. <laughs> hey, um, Tia, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today on My Millennial Money. Uh, I love following your page. I literally love all the 1% hacks and it's just great. It's a really good collection of hacks. You can follow Smart Women Society at Smart Women Society. You can buy the book Smart Moves. We'll put a link in the show note. And look, it is a good gift. Books are such a great gift. Sim from Girls That Invest, I think she did this post once. She said, books are the only gift that you can give someone with all the money in the world or no money. They're just a great gift. So, yeah, jump on. Maybe buy the Sort Your Career Out, buy Smart Moves, have a flick through, give one of them away. Like, it's all good. So, again, thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Smart Women Society, the website's there, the Instagram's there. Have a follow, have a like. TikTok, heap of free resources on the website. There's some paid resources. Let's make 2023 your year. Tia, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. 
This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.